Hello, it's Jack Tudor here of Attention Magazine. Welcome to Crucial Listening, the podcast where I speak with musicians and sound artists about three albums that are important to them. My guest this time is Domingue, who you may know from the band Folaxoid, who've released records on Sacred Bones, Domi's new solo record, as Domingue is also now out on Sacred Bones. It's called E. It's that conjoined A-E letter. I think it's pronounced E. It's appropriate that there's not the distinct pronunciation, at least I'm too naive to know it. Because this record, even though it's driven by rhythms that feel extracted from techno, these insistent, repetitive thumps, the other stuff that's going on on the record including Domi's voice and these synthetic textures seem to be hovering in like a superposition. They don't seem to settle into something specific. They're almost posed like a question. That's this wonderful open-ended sense to these pieces, this state of possibility that never really collapses. Keeps me listening in like a very heightened state and also makes it very difficult to describe. I'd recommend going over to Domi's link tree actually, I've put that in the show notes where you can find links to this record. Also on that link tree is a link to Domi's Transition and Survival Fund. So Domi is currently based in Mexico City. This fund will allow her to move safely over to New York, start a life and also continue to access transition-related healthcare. So I've included a link in the show notes and you can also access it via the link tree as well. If you have any money to spare, then please do send it in the direction of the fund. Okay, Domi was great to speak to. We had a chat about three really interesting records and this one was over a phone line kind of connection. So the quality isn't amazing, but I think you can make everything out just fine. So we're all good. Thank you for listening as always. Please do rate and review the podcast. And here we go. This is Dominge on Crucial Listening. Domi, welcome to Crucial Listening. Hi. Thank you very much for coming on the podcast. Yeah, yeah, it's my first, my first podcast. <laughs> Is it really? Well, I'm glad yeah. to be the first. That's great. You are here to talk about three important albums, as all my guests yeah. are. So before we get stuck into those, I want to ask about your new record. As we're discussing prior, I think within English it would be pronounced E. It's A and E together. And I understand that the foundation's for this record came together during your artistic residence in Yamaguchi, Japan. Is that right? At a Minka? Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, I was. Uh, I went to Japan uh, before the pandemic started to release an album with uh, DJ Nobu. He did uh, like a remix of our latest Polaxoid release. Uh huh. And uh, he put it out in his like uh, label he has in Japan, and we went there and and did like uh, three three gigs. You know, uh, one in Yamaguchi one in another city I can't remember, and one in Tokyo. Then after that, uh, I was supposed to stay there for like three three weeks or something in a really like a, like a, like a traditional uh, farmhouse, you know, there. Like a, yeah. That, those like, like paper doors and tatamis instead of beds and that kind of thing. Uh, uh-huh. Super fun, but preparing uh, the score for like a like a runway, like a, the new collection of Kosaburo, which is a... a like a frequent collaborator and friend from Japan, that's mm. like a designer. And then the whole world crumbled, and, and I had to like sort of escape from Asia in, to Mexico. Allegedly going to to Europe to make the tour, but then uh, then that also crumbled. So I stayed here, kind of stranded. What did the process look like in that initial stage in Japan? So how much of the 
release came together then uh, during that initial phase in Japan? It, it was pretty like subconscious, like the way the the whole uh, project came together because uh, it never started by the by the with the idea of like making a record. I I like uh, did some uh, synthesizer layers uh, for this runway, and then um, another artist from Japan called Shoko Yoshida asked me to do a a, a remix for her that came out like a couple of days ago actually. Oh, cool. um, so, so uh, the, while developing the synthesizers, then I developed uh, like kicks and like I said, the rhythm sequences. And after that, uh, also in between, I think the label uh, asked us to to release a song or a remix for like a you know like sort of like support uh, compilation the record did just when the pandemic started to get some money for the artists that were like canceling tours and all. Mm-hmm. So I, I found myself with a bunch of material like. Uh, like uh, I had layers, I had rhythm sequences, I had like uh, parts, and I don't know. Like uh, I waited a couple of months, and before uh, like uh, realizing uh, like uh, the the whole market or music market wasn't like uh, activating any anytime soon, uh-huh. I like uh, I figured like uh, I can make something, like it, it should be something out of it, you know. I mean, one thing I did want to flag up specifically is the voice on the record. I think it's the thing that came out and protruded to me in these initial listens most immediately in the record or the videos oh well both actually that's a very good point i mean i listened to the record first a few times before i saw the videos but um we can certainly talk about both i mean we'll start with the record i mean the treatment of voice is so interesting it's feels to me when i'm listening to it it's got this kind of non-spatial element it's hard to work out where it's coming from or where it specifically exists in time i mean talk to me about bringing the voice into into this new record yeah it was pretty important to me like uh because um this record was a possibility like uh in opposition to the work i've created with folexo which is like a an identity on its own and it's like mm. a pretty ethereal and uh, voices are usually like numbers uh, sang in different languages by computers or stuff like this. Mm-hmm. So, so in this chance, uh, at first I, I wanted to put some vocals and I gave some thought into it and I used the, uh, so it's a, uh, it's mostly a mix of my voices uh, doing like a, you would say like a duet with a, have, are you familiar with the Japanese anime series called the Evangelion? No, I'm not. No. Yeah, so it's like a pretty famous uh, 80s, 90s um, series uh, that that uh, includes like biotechnological, like huge robots and persons that have to be paired with these robots uh, and to fight for the the survival of mankind or something in a in a like post-apocalyptic uh, like uh, scenario. And the main ca- main character of this series, Evangelion, is a it's a girl like a like a like a being called Ray. And uh, in one point in the series, she has like a, a poem about like mankind and, and existence and conscience. So I took uh, I took parts of that poem and I like uh, did like a duet, you know, with effects with my voice. And also, mm. uh, it, there's a track that uh, that uh, includes uh, the, the opening track from Pharmacon's uh, album. Uh, so it's like a, the first track. There's like a duet, you would say, of like breathing, like it's her. Oh, wow. and my exhalations and her exhalations and my so it's a you would say it's like my voice mixed with uh, two basic samples one uh Pharmacon's voice and the other one ray from evangelion wow okay that's great you also mentioned the video as well and as you say yeah, and then in the, for the video i like added this whole like uh, another like narrative level to it uh, which is like first time ever i've uh, acted or shown my you know like or talked or whatever yeah so the the video you brought in a narrative and obviously the video as well i understand you co-directed what point did it become clear that you wanted the i mean both the visual and the narrative element to 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 go alongside the release as well oh it was just like a like a snowball kind of situation (laughs) like uh the synth became a synthesis rhythm and then they both became uh, songs and then the songs became albums and then albums became visuals and then all together became a sort of like a sum up uh, sci-fi uh, narration. And, uh, and for me, it's interested like, uh, like the topic uh, of like mechanical 
like mechanical animal uh, transition, a whole uh, um, humanity is going through, you know, like a very like subtle but steady pace. Mm. And and to do a parallel with that, a parallel with the futuristic like representations we already know, and also with the more like ancestral representations that, that uh, precede us, you know, and in the present, like uh, uh, what uh, specifically like trans uh, women or, or 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 persons are like uh, going through in terms of like body modification and like uh, and like uh, how that uh, improves or or. Uh, or reinforces uh, the way we process, you know, uh, mundane uh, situations. So it's like a like a three-sided uh, metaphor put in a very simple way of like an avatar being awoken in, in a like post-apocalyptic uh, like situation, I, looking either for like uh, remains of life or death or whatever, just to scan and to send over to the source. I'll put links actually to the videos. I see they went up very recently, so I'll uh, include links in the show notes of the podcast. Um, one final question before we get to your records, and this might be a question that's perhaps too big and nebulous to tackle within this fleeting intro, but I wanted to pick up on a, a line within your press release, which isn't a direct quote actually from yourself, so hopefully it's in a, uh, an accurate articulation of your process. Yeah. But Let um, me see. <laughs> it mentions that you use the process of unlearning and uninstalling previously established creative softwares in order to achieve dissolution i mean i've yeah. seen you speak about unlearning and uninstalling before in the context of folloxoid but i'm wondering i mean is this the same area for you and if so i mean how does it deviate given that it's your solo project as opposed to as you say folloxoid being its own beast Oh yeah, so um, it is the like same um, composition or, or uh, as I like to call it, like decomposition uh, method. Like mm. I, I've been working on my whole life with Folexoid, but uh, when applied to my like solo work, it certainly like uh, opened uh, more like uh, had like a more possibilities or like a wider range of of possibilities. So the whole idea is to like break patterns of either composition or, or like dramatic arc that are usually like super uh, unconscious uh, in uh, authors, you know, when, you, when you're making something uh, uh-huh. like this, this whole notion of painting inside the square or outside the square. So I really uh, tend to question the format beforehand. I start with the, with the work at hand, either mm. if it's a movie or a song or a concert or an outfit, you know, so uh, when applied to my own, my, my, my living present and my own person, it certainly like uh, opened like a wider range, like I was saying, uh, and uh, allowed me to play with elements that are just not like, that are too personal to be like uh, in the folexoid, like uh, identity, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so so I, I was able to like, uh, to articulate like uh, concepts uh, and images like of, my, of myself and and also like uh, musically uh, to to put some voices on it and and that gave the whole uh, album like a different like a, I believe like a more integral representation of of, of what the the author in my case uh, me in this case I mean uh, was or, or or is well it's wonderful I love the release I think you mentioned for you as the person who made this release there was a snowballing effect that brought it into being certainly that's also been reflected in a sort of snowballing experience that I've had listening to the record and um, ingesting the videos and also speaking to you now. I really encourage the listeners to both listen to the record and also as well uh, indulge in all the aspects around this release. It's fantastic. Well, thank you for that. Yeah, I encourage if they feel so inclined to check it out too. Now, Domi, let's go to your important records before we get stuck into the selection specifically i like to ask about how you came to your three important records so was there a particular way that you thought about or understood uh, understood the word important to come up with the list that you did yeah uh, like i've been asked uh, i've been put in this position uh, in my life in interviews before <laughs> and and so i went like down different paths in the past like uh for example, like the first time I, I got into this uh, best 
that's three things for you. Uh, you, you go really like uh, profound, you know, and try like do like a soul search and just not believe <laughs> anything, anything that's really important, you know. Uh-huh. Uh, so, so then and no ghost will get mad at you, you know. Uh, <laughs> but, so I tried that in the past uh, and I've done it like a couple of times, I guess, for magazines or something. But in this case, um, I was like a sort of like anxiety producing uh, situation to pick out the three records. <laughs> so I just uh, went uh, instinctively, like uh, figure like, um, you know, there's records that, that like, you know, at least me, like I rely on um, like tra- tra- transversal to time, you know, and, and I guess uh-huh. these three albums have been with me like uh, through thick and thin like for a while so I guess they deserve to be like names in some sort of <laughs> oh great ranking. yeah okay so awesome they, been, uh, they, these records have been like steady good friends with me that's the <laughs> way I would put it nice they've been like good comp- good companions I'll let you pick whichever order you want to go in Domi which one do you want to talk about first Ah, I really don't care. I guess we could start with the uh, the oldest I've known from these three, which is uh, the the record like Blues Run Run the Game by by Jackson C. Frank. Are you familiar with him? Well, I am now. Holy moly, this record is unbelievable. Oh my god, it's so beautiful. So uh, I, I I don't know. Like I might be like super weird because I didn't didn't do my homework regarding this record. But <laughs> like uh, for what I know, like uh, this guy um, was like a super low key, like super like uh, mystic voice. You know, like it's so beautiful, but yet so like uh, painful, right? And mm. and it's like a I don't really like blues, you know, because it's like very manly portray of of pain i think mm-hmm. in most cases like a rock and roll sort of like you know motorcycle you know yes. and and in this case the guy is like um is super like um super sensitive or super he has like a like a vulnerability um mm. that is super beautiful and uh, the first time i i heard it was like um i believe in the trailer for the movie the brown bunny of vincent gallo that is uh-huh. just like a, like a one take uh, shot from from like a inside of a truck, you know, with the with the window like window window shield sort of like dirty and yeah, like showing like a sunset in the back, and it really struck a key on me. Like I remember I took the, the the same song to work on the trailer for my first film, and since then it's been um, it's been there like to to like uh, I don't know like contain. Contain me would be a good word. Like uh, <laughs> w- w- whenever you want to like enjoy sad songs, you know, this, mm-hmm. uh, this, this is the kind of like uh, music I go to. Are there songs in particular that you connect with most prominently on this one? Oh yeah, like uh, the, the main the main hit I would say is uh, Milk and Honey. Uh huh. But but because I don't know that that song is just like a, a lullaby. Uh, that was written in heaven and finished in hell. So it's like super, <laughs> like the, the the full scale of what a lullaby is for me. Yeah. And uh, and then he has like um like another one that that is like what gives the name the album the name like blues runs the game. Mm. That uh, even though most blues uh, musicians talk about the blues and the blues and being sad and the blues, it never sounds. And this could be like just me, you know, I don't want to get the whole blues people against me. But uh, I believe when, when Jackson C. Friend talks about the blues, uh, you can feel like he's sad, you know. Oh, my word. Yeah, absolutely. Instead of just talking about sadness because he's tough. Right. Yeah. 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 From what I felt when listening to it, I was like, it reaches a level of it's not melodrama clearly because it feels very sincere but it le- reaches a level of intensity that i don't think you'd probably go to unless you were probably properly feeling it because yeah yeah it's like a thing um and uh, the first like nick drake albums have or like uh-huh. uh, yeah. e- even even moondog you know that it's people that totally that are either like dead or were like crazy or they're like really not after like a fame or material stuff you know they're just like singing out of because they have no other like possibility they're like sort of trapped in the in their talent mm, yeah i think there's a line on that first track which is so i'm gonna mince it but basically the the sentiment is that when i'm not 
asleep, I'm crying. Yeah. Um, but the way it's phrased is, is I mean, it really does cut. Yeah, it's like a, it's it's like the the same emotion that I don't know could could create like a trash metal inspiration, you know, like I want yeah. to be alone, but uh, he puts it just in a very kind way, you know. It's like a, it reminds me of the French expression uh, for story, you know, when they say story, they say it like a je suis désolé, uh, mm. which means like it, it it like connects with the word like desolation, you know, which is like a nature. It's, it's like a, a natural state of uh, living beings. Like we are born alone and then we like deny the fact our whole life and then we die alone. So uh-huh. the whole idea of like uh, building, uh, like raising the conscience uh, of himself and the listeners mm-hmm. uh, by, by making it more beautiful that indeed we are alone or we want to be like truly alone instead of like, this fake notion of uh, of companionship, like a plant or a living being, can give you. Feels like he's running from that sentiment as well. You know, when he talks about getting boats to London and being followed by the blues, it's like that sentiment is is inexorably following him from what you know wherever he goes. But um, Domi, are you someone who connects to lyricism? Usually, is this an exception, or or do lyrics tend to strike a connection with you? No, like uh, what, in, in, I am certainly not. And with this uh, album, like uh, I must have heard it like a million times before I even like checked out what he was talking about. Right. <laughs> it's, it's 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 more of like uh, the the lullaby aspect of it. He has like a sort of like witchery uh, invocation, put the baby to sleep, sort of like mood in his melodies that really got a grip on me how long ago was it that you discovered this record oh it was like 10 years ago or something wow and has your relationship with it changed over that time at all no it's one of those like uh like foundational sort of like very very good companions mm. yeah like it, it gets to me every time like i haven't got like tired or like or like over it at all it's one of those records I also don't listen to much, you know, I just like yeah. visit them when in need. Yeah, for sure. And when you think back to your memories of listening to this record, I mean, what kind of experiences or memories or places come to mind when you think of listening to this one? Oh, well, it's a, a very evocative uh, autumn sunset, sort of like imaginary, what it, what it, what it provokes in me. Mm. Uh, and 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 uh, I certainly like listen to these songs while nostalgic, while melancholic, while in love, while brokenhearted. So it's funny to see me change like uh, anemically, you know, uh, mm. through the course of years. But see the album like remain steady in its gravitational, melancholic yet beautiful, uh, you know, vibe. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if you read much about Jackson C. Frank as well, but his story is heartbreaking. Yeah, yeah, I, 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 I really have, but I uh, don't know it by, 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 you know, by, without reading it. Um, but yeah, it is pretty tragic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, it, it, again, it sort of underlines the sincerity of where he's coming from. There's no doubting it after reading about yeah, it's, his life it's experiences. No, it's no bullshit in it. Yeah, yeah. And it was recorded in less than three hours as well. Yeah, is... I think it was recorded by Paul Simon, isn't it? That's like, right. Simon yeah. Garfunkel, yeah. yeah. Like, yeah, as, as, as uh, annoying as he can be as a person, like he certainly <laughs> had, he had his ears uh, well, well, well focused. Me and room service, honey. Me and room service, babe. Me and room service, well, we're living a life of sin. I'm not drinking, baby, you are on my mind When I'm not sleeping, honey When I ain't sleeping, mama But Domi, let's go to your second important record now. Yeah, we could go like um, either with Rio Ichis or One of Tricks Point Nevers. Cool, well, we have started from the oldest, I guess. Let's continue going chronologically and go for One of Tricks Point Never. So you've gone for Replica here. 
Yeah, uh, that record I got without knowing what it was. I remember I was like uh, in New York uh, visiting the Sacred Bones Records warehouse, and it's paradise. Like it's like the warehouse of like them, and also like <laughs> the record label Captured Tracks and Mexican Summer, and I don't know who else. But thing wow. is, just a lot, lot, lot of records. So that's like my first time there. I remember like a long time ago. Uh, and so I was like getting like free records and stuff, super excited. And then I see this cover, you know, it's like a, like a mirror, like a mirrored school in the cover. Uh-huh. Uh, and I freaked out and I saw a t-shirt and I also got it. And then I took it home, like whatever, like a, a month later, I was in my home in Chile. So I checked it out and I really had no idea what it was. Like uh, I was like wearing the t-shirt like every day, <laughs> but, but, but I was like unaware of like, of who it was or, or what it was. And since then, I, like, the, the record was, like, on a constant spinning in my turntable at home, like, for months and years. And till I actually figured, like, maybe I should get, like, into this guy and, like, figure out, like, how, <laughs> how it works and stuff. And then I figured it's, like, this genius producer uh, whose name I don't really know. Is it Lopatin, maybe? That's right, Daniel Lopatin, yeah. Daniel Lopatin, yeah, uh, and I'm like a like a like a distant but super like uh, truthful uh, admirer, <laughs> uh, but uh, but I'm like a bad fan. Like I don't know the chronology of his work or stuff like this. But because I'm just a bad fan for, in general, but it doesn't mean like I'm not like emotionally involved with the music, you know? Um, yeah. I had like my own personal relationship with, with the work. I think he would be uh, relieved to know that his creations have an identity on its own and they don't connect directly to the author, you know? Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Absolutely. Um, well, that's where the connection matters, right? And so, yeah, this album, um, I don't know. It's, it's great. Like, I, uh, it was super funny for me, like... Uh, like uh, the first video we released in this promotion for the new record uh, came on YouTube and someone, uh, there was a comment there saying like, it's, it's like uh, if uh, one, the trick point never uh, and filmmaker had a stand with the uh, one, the trick point never, <laughs> no, with, uh, with, with that experience or something. What? Uh, <laughs> um, and I don't know, I think it's a pretty far but precise stretch what the guy commented there because the, because I really love uh, those, the, like, I really love One Trick Point Never. I am not really a fan of Affix or, or Filmmaker. I didn't know him. But yeah, he said that we, I believe we certainly share like a, like a destructuring uh, or like switching format or, or mixing way that it's like uh, unconventional, but in a, in a, in a trans inducing way. Mm, yeah. I mean, particularly on this record. I guess the later ones, I don't know what you think of this, but as he starts to progress, I think the, the trance element for me kind of goes away. There's this really vibrant state of distraction that kind of comes in, but this one seems so much more loop-based. I hadn't actually listened to this one. I've listened to like R plus seven onwards. Yeah, yeah, um, that was funny because uh, it's it's pretty much, as you say, like a loop-constructed album. But, mm. And as I told you, I kept it on my turntable constantly. So most times I didn't know if like the like the needle was like looping, you know, or something. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes it did get stuck, you know, my needle. So <laughs> so I have like a really deranged notion of what the album really is. <laughs> like I've had to listen to it like digitally. It's always like been on the vinyl. So, but right. I, I like that. I, so cool. I like that. It surprises me when I hear the real track. You know that it's like actually. <laughs> different from what I thought. <laughs> what is it about Replica that you think maybe made it connect with you? I mean, as you said... Uh, you... I, think, uh, I think it was hard for me to, to, like, uh, to like figure it out, but, but to, to like understand it, you know? Like, uh, mm. I'm talking simple stuff, like whether where the song started or, or finished or, or mm. whether I liked it or not, you know? Or, or, <laughs> or, or if it was a song or, or you know? But, but that whole, like, uh, uncomfortable uh, situation, uh, you would say that the record puts me in, has become a, sort of like a, like a guideline of my work as well. Like, uh, I don't do music uh, that I feel satisfied with or that I enjoy. It's more like uh, I, like, uh, put together and assemble these uh, things, pushing to a, to a place where I, 
like don't understand or like uh, feel uncomfortable, but in a way that that I like it. You know, it's not uncomfortable like to look for 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 like an uncomfortable feeling. It's more like uh, it's like uh, the embrace embracing sort of like uh, entropy. So that's what you perceive within replica. Then this, I guess, this inability to close the loop on what it is or it's, whether you yeah, like it's it. Yeah, the inability to close the loop, but certainly it's a very like a like well-placed, well-paced uh, together uh, sound and tracks and samples and everything. But yeah. uh, it has uh, this edge to it, like this abyss feeling of like uh, the mix is going to like uh, fall or reset or cut at any moment, you know? It's very like uh, fragile, yet super heavy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you mentioned actually that when you perceive a parallel between your music and one of Trick's point never it's in this i can't remember exactly what you said but i i guess removing the original references or or, or shedding that, that original context i mean yeah it's it's a what i said it has to do with um like the pursuit of some sort of like a stable instability sort of like vulnerable equilibrium do you have any thoughts on why that in itself is appealing to you as either someone who listens to music or or someone who makes it I think uh, the whole uh, the medium is the message notion from the 90s, you know, in advertising mm-hmm. sort of work. That whole notion, the, 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 the subtextual part of the text and the format part of the art has always been more striking to me than the actual content set or the paint painted, you know. Mm-hmm. I've, uh, I've always find it more appealing uh, uh, or, or, or more than I find it more appealing, I guess it's the way my brain works. Like I'm always like uh, open eyes for like a subtextual or or counter format or counter cultural or or resonances uh, in a, in art or in 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 knowledge than I mm. am into like the actual words or or, or paints expressed. You know, the meta, the meta thing is what's appealing to me usually. Meta musical, meta linguistical, meta formatting, meta cultural, meta existing. I mean, I'm thinking with that most recent Folexoid record, I'm always struck when track durations are so specific in a way that implies that they were asserted above the content of the song. Yeah, they, they, they were like a, like channeled beforehand. Yeah, right. Like a, like, like a forced. I don't know how you call it in English, uh, when you have like a forced uh, concept you have to develop. Yeah, in totally. Art, you know? Uh, yeah, I know what you mean. I mean, it, yeah, it, and, it, and it, for me, it kind of feels like it brings this almost arbitrary element to... Yeah, to I, I want to make... Uh, it, 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 it revolves around the notion of, of like uh, programming and being programmed and how to, how to like level up the whole like uh, equilibrium that, that might be like... Uh, in an illusion way sort of displaced, you know, to make you believe that you are either in control of you or that you are either not in control. So mm. I really try to like set the table real like equilibrated before we go on in one of these uh, pursuits, creative pursuits. So the mm. machine or the simulation is a, is a, um, a fairly uh, demanded to do, to do its part. I mean, when you talk about reaching and reaching for this meta, you know, the thing above, I guess you could say, is that is that where you're directed? I mean, what drives you on that trajectory? Do you have any thoughts on like what it is, why that's so compelling? Yeah, I believe um, there's like um, two ways to two like possible outcomes of true art happening. You know, uh, independent of uh, its form. I would say one would be like uh, to be remembered. You know, like the the Nobel guy that created TNT. And a lot of people died because of his creation. So he made this whole like human price of peace and stuff to mm-hmm. just clean his name. That's one of the possible outcomes when you create something super universal to be like stuck with your creation. And there is the other path, which is like the dissolution of the author. Like uh, whenever like a really universal invention has come out, like the wheel, for example, uh, whoever invented the wheel got dissolved in its creation by its universality, you know? Mm-hmm. So um, I, uh, I think, if you ask me, like, uh, why am I, like, um, inclined into, like, uh, breaking formats as well as, uh, like, setting patterns for the work to come, uh, it's already, like, uh, 
programmed differently is uh, in order to dissolve authorship. And mm. I'm, I'm, I'm in, a, in a constant pursuit of creation without leaving footprints. I love that. I mean, I feel like that I can bring that background as well into Replica as well. I mean, yeah, right. It's like the record is making itself. Yeah, totally. I mean, he he talks about his process actually in reference, I think, to this album as looking for old things that are meaningful and then restructuring and rearranging it to interfere with the original narrative and creating. This oh, new it's pretty poetry. similar the way I proceed then. Huh? Yeah. So maybe maybe that's maybe that's another means by which it it connects with what you do. I mean. So have you checked out records other than Replica and what's your relationship like with his other work? Oh, I've heard, um, I have another vinyl that it has like a, like a blue square, like a minimalistic paint that I don't remember the name of that I really love. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, uh, and I've seen it and I'm, I'm a very big fan of his like uh, sound scores for films, like, uh, yes. like the Uncut Gems, the maximalism in that crazy movie was like mind-blowing really like oh next gosh. level stuff and I, I checked also like he's like a like a mainstream producer like he does songs for rosalia or the weekend or stuff like this and i think um, he uh, maintains the whole like uh, chaotic or dissolved sort of structures even though if he's like uh, adventuring in like more mainstream sound yes yeah yeah which I, I guess is the reason he's there, right? Is that they want that yeah. chaos to be pulling at the edges of of the format of the yeah, pop song. Yeah, and I think it's beautiful. Like I'm a super fan of the pop and the soundtracks and the experimental records. I think he's genius. Mm. Have you seen him live? No, no, I haven't had the chance. Uh, when I was in Japan, I went to like a super cool bar uh, called Night Nightingale, like a super tiny spot that uh, some artists go after their shows and, and there was a piano side by him and stuff like that. And I was like, that's the closest I've been there. I was in town when he was, I was in town when he was playing there, but I didn't went to the show. Ah, oh, rats. Okay. I mean, if I was to play a little extract of one of the songs here, do you have a favorite? I guess it's strange because if it's haphazard, the way that they're presented to you on that vinyl, I don't know if you have a, a particular favorite song. Uh, no, I don't think I have really. Um, no, yeah, I don't think I have. I, I always listen to the album like on its entirety. Domi, let's go to your final selection here. So, yeah. yeah, give me the name of it and tell me a bit about why it's important uh, to you. The final selection was um, the Async by Ryuichi Sakamoto. Uh, and and uh, I, I, as well, like, uh, I'm going to go in, in a clean now. I've never been, like, a thorough uh, Ryuichi Sakamoto, like, fan. So mm -hmm. I know, like, he has, like, really... Good fans, uh, and and I'm really not one of them because uh, <laughs> I followed him like sort of recently. Like this record is a bunch of years old as well. But but uh, it was like uh, the first thing that struck with me was the concept. I think it was like super genius and mind blowing. The whole naming whatever wasn't in a specific kind of synchronicity. You know, like rhythms are synchronic, right? Hmm. So you have uh, you could do like salsa or hip hop or whatever, and they're all rhythms, but they have like a genres, right? But mm. uh, till that point, more or less, like, of course, like a, a tonal and asynchronic music and experimental and noise existed, but they weren't like, um, like typified. They didn't have like a, like a name. And this whole like concept for me, it meant like, uh, if you're now not into like doing a specific kind of rhythm and you are into like doing a, asynchronic then you could go like and explain it further with more detail like i'm doing it like an asynchronic atonal atmospheric you know it's no longer like just experimental right and that, uh, that whole uh, name na naming the, the unnamed really uh, clashed like in my head like so genius and then mm. when listening to the album i was like super like um, like a detective so sort of, like figuring is this 
synchronic, you know, if I find like any synchronic bits in this, I'm, you know, and the album and the album has like a like a really pulsating gravitational uh, core, you would say, mm. that 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 keeps the parts together as, uh, 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 while the album is like developing. Yet, uh, I'm pretty sure like uh, it's never on sync. <laughs> right. <laughs> So it's a slightly twisted, but it uh, it holds together, and the the whole like aura of his music that is super like calming and you know like dreamy in a Japanese sort of like melody like yeah. uh, works still even if he's like really like uh, in a very subtle and you know evil way like uh, destroying synchronicity, you know. Wow, that's really cool. I'd never even considered the title in that in that context. That's fabulous. Yeah, I, I, I like. I invite you to listen to it and, and like uh, to tell me like if it's uh, on sync or uh, out of sync. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's just slightly every element is out of sync. And as the as the record like evolves, he also like uh, starts playing with the uh, linguistic elements, like phrases uh, that are like uh, entangled with the rhythm in an async way, and the rhythm is entangled with an atmosphere. And they're all like uh, crumbling in an organic way. It's very like anthropical. And as the record progresses, he puts a phrase, and the phrase has a meaning and also a language. And then the phrase uh, overlaps with another phrase, or probably the same phrase, but in a different language and in a different time time frame. Yes. So it gets a musicality out of concept, out of linguists, out of languages. So it's like a pretty complex work to be that smooth i also imagine like his old audience you know like getting the new ryoichi record and putting it in the living room and just like being super smooth by it you know <laughs> yeah so it's like a really it's like a really like um i don't know it's like it's like a like a like a malice you know like intention you know like to <laughs> to get it infiltrated in like uh in in all sorts of spaces like the most like like a meta listeners uh, to the most like entire listeners of his work and they're all like being numbed by its beauty. <laughs> yeah, I love the reference you make to the the text in the middle which is repeated in different languages. I guess that's another quite wonderful demonstration of asynchronicity where you've got yeah, no it's like language asynchronicity, quite... music, it's musical asynchronicity and it's also like a meaning meanings, mm. uh, interaction, and uh, we can avoid the fact that both meaning and um, musical have like an inter in, in, in entangled sort of like pr product, you know, out of, yeah. like, out of the addition. That is like a third element of who, who knows. It yeah. gets complex. What do you think of that other, there's another, I think it's a poem that's actually there's several, isn't there? But there's one which is quite plain and quite stark basically about the finite nature of life and experience um oh yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. i think uh, i think it's super um, super in line with the whole uh, notion and I, i'm not sure about this but uh but i believe uh, mr sakamoto was uh, going through like a heart like a health situation before he did this album so I always found it really like uh, admirable for him to like come out of that like um, intense sort of health situation and like still wanted to pull off like the album he just released and this one and the, his latest work like as new like groundbreaking uh, conceptual things for civilization instead of of just uh, you know doing like a greatest hit sort of like tour which he could. Absolutely, yeah. He's definitely at that point. I mean, um, yeah, he's like a he's like a one like a like a a lot of hits, you know, and, and music, and he could like give us that for the rest of his life, and we would all be like super happy. Still, he was like still super, you know, like creative and and like pulling him to do like this uh, this like groundbreaking work that the world was missing. And also, there's a remix record. Did you check that out at all? Yeah, yeah, I heard it, but uh, that's amazing. Yeah, I think uh, there might be like a one of tricks remix. Yeah, it? there is. Yeah, yeah there is. Right? Of that? Oh, I love it. My dream. <laughs> I, I wish I could make one. <laughs> yeah, it's a good lineup yeah. on that remix record. Is yeah, uh, it's like the best Harker. of the best. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Really um, cool. 
so are there any other records by Sakamoto? You mentioned that you're you're not a super fan, but is there any other records that you connect with of his? Um, I really like uh, the song he made for the David Bowie film in the eighties, like uh, yeah. the Merry Christmas, Mr. Lawrence. Yeah, I think that I think that that song is a uh, it's like a proper like it's like a it has like a drum cadence like a trap cadence to it that is super forward for the times. Like the kick he uses is like super. I don't know like. Like hip hop in a way, but it was way before hip hop. Hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. so, so I, I don't know. I love that track, and I always think it's like a, an example of how visionary or how ahead of his time uh, Ryuichi has always been. Yeah. Um, and is this a record that you, you know you mentioned with, say, for example, Jackson C. Frank? It's not a record that you play particularly often. I mean, how often does Async enter your orbit, and where do you tend to listen to it as well? Oh, it's a it's a record I work with. It's a record I put there to to like um, put some order to my thoughts, you know, to organize. Mm. And it's also a good record for like uh, like uh, when uh, when the dinner is over, you know, for after 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 dinner, <laughs> you know, chats and stuff like that. But and it, it's also I don't know, like it's really like a good companion if you, if you ask me, like. Uh, I put it, yeah, I put it for like uh, working, but I also put it when it's like music that listens to you, like my album, I think huh. more than more than more than music you have to listen. So it's like uh, it creates an environment where you can sort of like listen to yourself while listening to something else. question for you Domi which is do you have uh, any particular favorite means regardless of the record any favorite means of listening to a record maybe one that allows you to really dive in and scrutinize and feel closest to a record I, I don't know is there a particular environment like any, any ways of listening I guess that's on the record side if you ask me like um, like I'm it's super hard like I guess only like Zeppelin or Sonic Youth or like Sabbath or Beatles, like records that are super like integral on its own, you know, that are made out of tracks. Those those records I have no problem listening to. But uh, in other kinds of music, like uh, electronic or whatever, when when the when the album is not built like a like a one song structure, it's super. I, I don't. I don't usually go from the first song to the last one of anything. So. I believe for, for me to to dive into a record, the record has to be like sort of like a, like a, like an attraction, gravitational thing on its own, like either Replicas or or, or Jackson's or Ryoichi. The whole album seems like it's uh, revolting on itself, like going back to the same arpeggio in the case of the guitar or going back to the same uh, loop in the case of Replica or going back into the same like quotation of the displaced sounds in the case of Ryoichi. Wonderful. What a awesome way to wrap it up. I mean, Domi, one thing I want to mention before we go is your transition and survival fund on GoFundMe. Oh, yes. Yeah. Thanks for bringing it up. Yeah. So could you just give listeners an idea of, of, of what that is? I'll include a link in the show notes as well. Oh, yeah. So, um uh, it's like a like a pledge, like a global pledge, uh, asking uh, for help to to help me pay for all the the costs and treatment involved with transitioning. And also, um, I'm stuck. Uh, I'm living here in Mexico at the moment. I'm pretty okay when I'm home. I, I have a, like a like a like a safe place, just for everyone to know. But. Uh, but uh, the the whole like uh, environment in Mexico is pretty adverse for for women and for trans women uh, specifically. It's uh, ranked by humanitarians as like the second worst place to be a trans woman in the world. 
So the pleche is like both for like uh, getting finance for for the treatments and hopefully to to move to New York uh, where I can like uh, get like a more like safe environment uh, to to do my things and also get access to better quality like treatment and whatever. And uh, this is all organized by uh, by a person I met the last time I was in New York, San Emerson. That is like super connected with non-government, non-government like organizations that help like trans women reaching out, and so so it's like a really like a promising uh, environment to continue my life, I guess. Thank you. Like I say, I'll include a link in the show notes there. And uh, Domi, thank you so much for talking through these records and your yeah, own records. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. Super, super fluid. Super pleasure to talk to you. Fantastic. And to everyone listening, I'll see you next time. Goodbye. Goodbye. Thanks for having me.